I have a very dramatic announcement. So anyone with a weak heart should leave now. Unreal. Revolution. Revolution. Uncensored. Revolution. Revolution. Unfiltered. Revolution. Unchanged. Revolution. Unadulterated. Revolution. Unbelievable. CliffCentral.com. Revolution. 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 A very, very hearty welcome. You are listening to Professor David Block, and we are going to be looking up, as always, every week, looking up in wonder at the awe and the majesty and the ingenuity of mankind and what mankind can do in this epoch of 2015. Today's topic is riveting. Today's topic is really something that drives me wild to use the terminology of our teenage twins is that uh, it's all got to do in a sense with robots and you know of course robots and human intelligence and human intelligence versus robotic intelligence and can robots ever think you know with greater capacity and with a greater swath of the cloth than human beings I mean, the question also arises, could machines ever be smarter than humans? So we just got so much to chat about, and I'm sure that given the incredible responses we've had in the last couple of weeks with our listeners and with our podcasts, that you'd like to reach me live in studio. So the number to dial, if you wish to do that, to reach me live in studio is zero eight six one triple five one eight nine. That's zero eight six one triple five one eight nine. Of course, another very favorite medium of reaching me is the WeChat. And uh, just Cliff Central, and away you go. And I'm expecting those WeChat lines to just light up on the screen with all different uh, questions. Darren from PE, a very hearty welcome f- to you. You are just amazing. Wow, you say uh, 2 p.m. on a Tuesday is my happy hour. Time to listen to one of my favorites on Cliff Central, Prof Block. Well... Uh, Darren, you'll never know what your encouragement really means to me personally. It's awesome to have people like yourself who just regard this as your favorite hour and your happy hour. And that's why I do this. I don't do this for any other reason than to give people uh, a sense of purpose, a sense of awe, a sense of uniqueness, a sense of wonder, a sense of the grandness of being alive, the sense of dreaming, the sense of designing, the sense of reaching the unknown, and the sense of putting Darren from PE at the cutting edge of his dreams and inspirations. So to repeat, this is Professor David Block can be reached on zero eight six one triple five one eight nine or on WeChat Cliff Central, Twitter feed at Cliff Central com, 
Facebook Cliff Central. And if you want to be one of my followers, just join the handle at Starry Galaxy Man. That's at Starry Galaxy Man. Now, over the years, I've had occasion to lecture to multitudes of students. I can't even begin to count how many students I've actually lectured to and be involved with. And, of course, some of these uh, students go on to join our staff and so forth. But today's uh, subject, as I say, is absolutely riveting. And we have in studio uh, one of South Africa's really young superstars in artificial intelligence, which we'll explain. But let me say this again. He's one of South Africa's young superstars, not in soccer, but in the world of artificial intelligence. And that is uh, Michael Mitchley. Uh, Michael, it's a great joy again to have you uh, in studio with us on Cliff Central. Thank you, Professor Block. It's an honor to be here again. Yes, sir. We just, we just love having you here and your intelligence just is spanning the horizons of the studio. And I know our listeners so much enjoyed our previous little chat. So we're going to be uh, dividing this um, global feed into two parts. The one is a Q&A session, Q&A with Michael Mitchley. Uh, and then also, Michael has brought along some of his favorite songs regarding robots and human intelligence and machine intelligence and artificial intelligence. And so we're going to also be feasting on some great music to do with robots. So just stay tuned. Now, Michael, I'd like to just uh, start the ball rolling uh um, with the following I'm just going to change the order Some of my train of thought And I'd like to just Most of our listeners of course Have looked up at the night sky And uh, seen the planet Mars And of course right now As I'm talking to you We have got rovers or machines Or spacecraft or robots On the planet Mars and in a sense, these robots have got a certain degree of intelligence. So, as question zero, perhaps, I'd like you to explain to us what the difference is between, um, say, the intelligence of a robot. What's the difference between robotic intelligence and machine intelligence, between artificial intelligence? Uh, I think that it would be just great to have someone of your skill and of your intellect and of your expertise in this area unfold to our listeners what these different types of intelligence are and also give us some great examples, please. Over to you, Michael. Certainly. Um, so robotic intelligence can perhaps be best shown through an example. Yes, please. So if we consider a real robotic competition such as RoboCup, yes. which is wherein robot soccer teams yes. um, compete against each other in a World Cup-like environment, Yes. each of those robot teams is comprised of robots which have been taught how to um, play soccer in yes. some manner or learned how to play soccer through their own initiative. Yes. Now, if we were to take one of those robots, as mm -hmm. it was busy dawdling around the field, perhaps mm -hmm. falling over, kicking a ball, yes, and we take its batteries out, yes, what we hold in our hands then is a robot. Right. What we have turned off is an artificial intelligence or yes. a machine intelligence. Yes, yes. So this is then, by analogy, something like the mind-body divide in humans. Mm -hmm. Why don't you elaborate for us? Certainly. 
So if we are talking about artificial intelligence or mm-hmm. machine intelligence or robotic intelligence, mm-hmm. we are talking about the mind, mm-hmm. the software. Mm-hmm. If we are talking about a robot, we are typically talking about the physical body. Right. But the one right. informs the other, and of course the um, the separation between the two gets fuzzy at times. Mm-hmm. But when we are talking about artificial intelligence, we are typically focusing on the learning aspect of it. We are talking about something that does not necessarily have to have a physical body, mm-hmm. like a robot. Mm-hmm. It can be something that sits on your computer. Mm-hmm. It can be something that sits on your phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Duncan, I have a question for you. I love interacting with our audio engineer, Duncan. How do you feel? I mean, here you are sitting with me week by week. How would you feel sitting in a stadium and uh, robots are playing soccer? Does it give you the same thrill uh, as watching soccer live? What thoughts would go through your mind, Duncan? Well, I'd need to find out, are the robots being controlled by someone or is it just their own initiative going left or going right? It's a very good question, Michael. So typically what we are talking about when we're talking about robotic intelligence is something autonomous, something that is not controlled by a human at Mm -hmm. all and Mm -hmm. rather has taken its own initiative. Obviously not to – a robot has not just woken up one day and decided to play soccer. They've been designed for this purpose. Mm -hmm. But it is completely autonomous and has to make decisions as it goes along. Well, I would think that is absolute genius. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that uh, it is genius because it takes us to the next level, doesn't it, Duncan, of human creativity and uh, purpose. Is that, uh, I mean, imagine just sitting at a soccer stadium and watching robots who, as Michael Mitchley said, are autonomous. They're completely independent, making decisions for themselves. Um, it really is taking us to the next era. Uh, however, I still enjoy watching, uh, I suppose, soccer played by human beings just for this reason that it sort of gives one the human touch. But clearly we're moving on in, um, you know, from days when we didn't even have a mobile phone to days when now we can actually have – do such teams exist, Michael, uh, teams that – not not as a game uh, on computer, but do such robots actually exist in real time? Yes, in fact, they do. Um, the Rubber Cup competition has been one that's been running for a couple of years now. Right. And they right. anticipate that the goal is by 2020, they want one of these teams to be able to beat a human soccer team. That's mm. incredible. That's incredible. So that will make some exciting games. Mm-hmm. That was my next question, actually, Professor, as uh, how long till the robots can yes. actually play against Very human good. beings Very and good. how long until robots can be in the same team as human beings where they Very collaborate good. together Very and good. actually have one goal. Mm-hmm. They, they anticipate 2020, but I think as soon as we have designed robots that can play as well as humans, we're very rapidly going to have robots that can outplay humans. Mm-hmm. And would they be part of the same team? I mean, could we have a team, say, some robots and some human beings? And uh, I mean, that obviously changes the FIFA rules quite a lot. But <laughs> is it actually conceivable that that could happen? I mean, would the machines, would the robots be clever enough not to clash into us? I'm sure they would be. They could quite possibly be, but I think a more exciting prospect is an all-robot soccer team. Yes. Wherein we've yes. got robots that are playing at, say, ballistic speeds. Yes. 
kicking soccer balls made out of solid steel so that they don't shatter on impact. Yes. So that yes. that could be a far more exciting game yes. than the one currently played. Now, of course, Michael, uh, you know, you and I can go to bed, as it were. Um, well, that sounds a bit strange, perhaps. So, um, what I mean is with our respective partners. <laughs> and so one can go to bed at night and uh, just relax and chill and turn off. As it were, we know the brain never stops functioning, but we're in control. Um, now, is it possible for these robots? I mean, are they? I mean, it's theoretically possible, of course, that they can be thinking twenty-four-seven. Um, it almost takes one to another realm where you know these robots just never need any rest. The brain needs rest. Uh, d- does that create any sense of discomfort within you? Don't think so, because the our need for sleep is something from a purely biological perspective, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wherein we need to organise the information in our brains. We need to um, we need to repair the cells in our bodies. Mm. Whereas robots may not need these things. They may of need. Course. We might find that sufficiently advanced robots need time off to process through information, right? Which might be analogous to sleep, right? But right. certainly there would be no biological basis right. for it. So I've got on the screen, I mean, this is just awesome. I've got these little robots playing soccer. It's just so awesome to watch. I can just be glued to this for hours. Now, there still seems to be a certain amount of shuffling and a certain amount of jerking. Uh, these robots need some Valium. They're not looking too relaxed at the moment, <laughs> are they, Duncan? They're looking a little tense. Not, yeah, Professor, I agree. They're with not you. looking sort of slick, as it were. They sort of, they still, in other words, is there still quite a long way to go? Or by 2020, will these really just have improved? Because that's only five years away, Michael. Yes, that's true. Um, so the robots at the moment don't have particularly natural mo- Movement. Now I can see that they look. One needs a knee replacement, <laughs> and uh. one extraordinarily difficult problem in robotics is that of natural walking. Because when we walk, it is an incredibly unstable process. Please explain that to our listeners, because I understand this, but I'd love you to explain it to our listeners. Because I can see, and Duncan can see too, the walking ain't easy. So I think if a, when a human walks, we walk in such a manner that we are essentially continuously falling forward. That's true. If you try and perform the motion of walking in a very slow manner, you'll see how unstable it is mm-hmm. and how it, it we can't possibly perform that motion mm-hmm. um, in slow motion. Mm-hmm. So robots at the moment, it is very difficult to get them to walk naturally because it is unbalanced. Mm-hmm. We'd prefer our robots to stay upright. They've mm-hmm. got very few mechanisms by which we can rapidly correct their, their posture. Mm. So they have to shuffle around. Um, to continuously this keep This is what their, I'm watching. They really are shuffling. Yes. They continually keep their center of gravity over their feet. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. we throw we our don't. center of gravity forward. Yes, yes. And you believe we're going to get there in terms of a more relaxed mode? I mean, is that just a question of learning? I think perhaps 2020 may be optimistic for, mm. for that. But we will certainly get there. Tell me, is there any money in this Robocop in the following sense? Is that when there's a, you know, a FIFA World Cup, of course, it's just billions of dollars floating around. I mean, do you think that eventually people will be tuning in to watch these teams play and to see who actually wins and to perhaps place bets as to who will win? Or is that really too futuristic? I could scarcely imagine a future where that wouldn't take place. 
Yes. So I think there's there would be a significant amount of public interest in something like this, mm-hmm. and if there's interest, there's money. Yes. So now here we're watching a game. It looks like almost of what is it, Duncan? Is it like some billiard balls or something? Uh, I think this is mainly a futuristic game. The robots are sliding this time, other than shuffling on the field. Uh, yes. What would yes. you call this? Well, these are these are non-humanoid robots. So yes. these robots are shaped like cubes. Yes. And they they ride around on wheels rather than having to use legs like we do. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they can play the game incredibly rapidly. Mm-hmm. So these ones, when they get into position. Um, perhaps our listeners will be able to see this video, but they shoot the ball across the field with at an incredible pace, mm-hmm. and they pass to each other with extreme accuracy. Mm-hmm. What do they have to punch in, Duncan? What did you punch in to Google to get this one up? Where are we in uh, terms of link? We are inside of YouTube, and all I looked up was RoboCup. Uh, okay, so all you do is go to YouTube and look up RoboCop. RoboCop. Sorry, cop, not cop. We've got enough cops in the uh, country yeah. who ain't always busy. <laughs> but uh, we, we yeah, these are the the um, the uh, these little robots who are actually playing games, and it's just so um, so awesome and so amazing. So. This leads me on, just before we have our first music break, uh, and you can tell us now already what your... Before I ask you the question, Michael, please tell us what your first music break's going to be and why you've selected it specifically and what relation it has to robots. So the first song that I've selected is by an artist called Brother Android. Yes, Brother Android, yes. Yes, the title of it is The Stars Come Out. Oh, lovely. And it is a... Oh, that's lovely. I thought you'd enjoy it. Oh, that's just for me. And this one is um, not directly related to Android. It's as as you'll see, the the song doesn't actually have any words to it. Yes. But I think I the see. feeling it evokes is okay. interesting, and I think on, on theme. Okay, great. So, Duncan, you can line that one up. There we go. It's playing in the background already. Let's just listen to this for a few moments. Is what is the what thoughts go through your mind as you listen to that music? Because it really is very interesting. I think it, in some ways, it reminds me of perhaps what a machine intelligence could be thinking about. I see. I see. It's foreign yet familiar. Yes, yes. We're having a look on screen here to at the most awesome robots. And uh, here we've got uh, some choreography being performed and being designed. And the robot, I believe, will start moving in the hand movements. Hand movements too, Michael, must be very, very difficult to control because, as you say, it just is so trivial for us. I noticed this one, Michael, has had over 7 million hits. That is really extraordinary. And so... The question on the screen here is, will robots take over the world one day, in your opinion? Now, I know we're going to cover some of this, but just let's just start seeing that a question's popped up. So, I think it's a difficult question to answer in a sense, because the answer is both yes and no. Yes, explain, please. I don't believe that they're going to take over in the Terminator sense. 
Mm-hmm. But I believe they will become ubiquitous. I see. Okay. So they will take over in the same way that cell phones have taken over. Do you believe, for example, that um, many homes in due course might have a little robot to do the cooking for us and, and other household chores? I believe so, if such a thing could be done cost-effectively. Yes. Of course, when it comes to bringing robots into our homes, it all comes down to the cost. Right. But also, you know, and this is just something I want to throw off, off the, out of the fly, off the fly, is that... Um, when the vacuum cleaner was designed and developed, people said, didn't they, Duncan, we're going to have so much more time. Mm. And then, you know, the washing machine was uh, invented and so forth. And people said, well, now the woman of the household of those days would simply be able to recline and relax. They'd have so much more time. And yet with all the technology I found – that as I travel around the world, Michael, people have less and less and less and less time. Do you think that the introduction of robots is going to increase this curve? In other words, that we'll have yet even less time because then we'll have time not to do household chores but to do other things. Or do you think that one – I mean, is it possible for the human race, do you believe, to enter an epoch of greater rest and less stress? Well, I think one of the hallmarks of industrial revolution – is that while it may seem that our home life is busier, it's because we actually have a home life now. Right. So prior to the Industrial Revolution, people would sleep at factories and perform tasks of immense drudgery. Yes. That eventually got automated. Yes. And I believe yes. we'll see something similar out of robots. Yes. Yes. I must say, as I, as I look on the screen, Duncan's called up some prosthetic legs and so forth. There is a tremendous degree of awkwardness. So clearly we uh, have not reached the 2020 uh, goal yet. But Michael, I'd like to just start off by kicking off by asking you, um, you know, we do know that a computer system uh, has indeed passed the Turing test. Maybe you'd like to tell our listeners what that really means, of course. And what does this mean for a robotic intelligence or robotic intelligence or artificial intelligence or machine intelligence? Why don't you just elaborate on that for us, please? Yes, certainly. So there are two broad classes of artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. The first one, which is referred to as weak AI or artificial narrow intelligence, yes. concerns agents that can solve a specific task. Mm -hmm. And nothing beyond that task. Mm -hmm. The second is artificial general intelligence or strong AI. Yes. And this is what the Turing test claims to be able to, to measure. Mm -hmm. So the Turing test was invented in 1950 yes. by Alan Turing, who's mm -hmm. the father of modern computer theory. Right. And he said, he asked if there were any imaginable digital computers which would do well in the imitation game. Mm -hmm. Now, the imitation game is a game wherein two people, a mm -hmm. man and a woman, mm -hmm. are interviewed via written responses by a third judge. Mm -hmm. And the judge must, through these written responses, attempt to decide which of the two is the man, which of the two is the woman. Hmm. Now, hmm. the modern Turing test um, abstracts a bit from the gender-based classification hmm. and simply asks... Can a judge, through written responses, tell whether it is a computer or a human that How the judge is talking to? Mm -hmm. Now, the recent claim of a computer that managed to beat the Turing test mm -hmm. is a dubious one, sadly. Mm -hmm. So, this was a computer called Eugene Gustman, 
Mm-hmm. And it's passed the Turing test at an event organized by Kevin Warwick at the Reading University. Yes. Now, Eugene Gustman is a chatterbot. Mm-hmm. In other words, it is able to converse in natural mm-hmm. language. Mm-hmm. And it's claimed to be a 13-year-old Ukrainian boy who, who spoke English as a second language. Mm-hmm. And through this trick managed to convince 33% of the judges that it was a human. Mm-hmm. Now, this was above this particular test's mm-hmm. 30% line mm-hmm. of passing, mm-hmm. but it's still not a particularly impressive figure, mm-hmm. especially considering the trick employed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the person organizing it, Kevin Warwick, is a somewhat controversial figure in the AI community. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Warwick was implanted with a computer chip a number of years ago, mm-hmm. and through that claimed to be the world's first cyborg. Mm-hmm. Following that, he then infected this computer chip with a computer virus mm-hmm. and claimed to be the first person to catch a computer virus. Mm-hmm. So he has a history of getting into the news through mm-hmm. um, through these means. Through these means, yes, yes. But the Turing test has been passed to some degree or another on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, the first first chatterbot to pass it was a bot called Eliza, mm-hmm. and Eliza was an artificial intelligence which put on the pretense of being a psychoanalyst mm-hmm. so it would continue to ask questions like well how do you feel about that mm-hmm. and elicit a response from the judge in that manner mm-hmm. but what we found is that because chatterbots do so well at this test mm-hmm. without any understanding whatsoever of mm-hmm. language without mm-hmm. any understanding of or any intelligence mm-hmm. the Turing test is not generally considered a good test for artificial intelligence mm-hmm. 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 you know I can just imagine Duncan um, you know, being met by a robot one day and they say, well, you know, if you invest with me, <laughs> all your money, you know, will grow at an exponential rate, Duncan. And then I give the money over and I find that the robot is a Nigerian who's not a robot who's busy grabbing my money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can so, just imagine. So the thing is, I suppose that, uh, you know, each of these robotic, uh, you know, each of these robots certainly do have their advantages, but also caution. Remember, you can ask us any questions in studio. You listen to Professor David Block. I have the great honor and joy of interviewing Dr. Michael Mitchley, who belongs to the School of Computer Science and Applied Maths at Wits University. That's the first time I've said that on air, Michael. That's the new name of our new school. Yes, indeed. That's the first time I've heard it said on air. <laughs> so I think this is a first. Uh, it's just become the School of Computer Science and Applied Maths. And so you can see we're marrying, in a sense, what we are actually uh, talking about uh, today. But I find it absolutely fascinating that, you know, in due course anyway, it will be able, we'll be able to tell whether a computer is indeed uh, responding, whether it's a human being responding. The limits just seem uh, endless. Uh, Michael, I'd like uh, you to lead us on to your next song because you've chosen six songs for the special um, stream. And I want one which is really related to what keeps Michael Mitchley ticking and awake at night. Certainly. So the next song that we will play is called Teen Better. Team Better, yes. Uh, it's, the artist is called Team. Mm-hmm. And this song, I think, relates to AR through the virtue of the chorus, which the listeners will not hear. Okay, let's listen to Team Better. Mm-hmm. 
So we have the singular joy and pleasure and privilege, uh, me, Professor David Block, interviewing Dr. Michael Mitchley, who's really one of South Africa's young superstars in AI. And just while we were listening to this incredible song, Team Bitter, uh, I was um, chatting, we were all, the three of us were chatting in the studio, and uh, Duncan, you asked a lovely question, why don't you just ask it again, about the wrong hands? Yeah, but uh, I was just wondering if all this great, wonderful technology yes. that's uh, meant to make the world a better place, yes. what if it falls into the wrong hands? Yes, and that's a very good question. Well, I think it's like any technology that is developed. There are wrong hands that will use it and there are right hands that will use it. And you hope that mm-hmm. more right hands are using it than wrong hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's something where the one... I suppose it's like a sword, isn't it, Michael? You yes, can it use is. it to kill somebody yes. or a knife, yes. and you can use it for surgery. <laughs> but one thing that I believe we'll touch on later on in the interview is the concept of artificial superintelligence. Yes. And then we've got the more terrifying prospect of it being the only one of its kind. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we, I think, mentioned before the interview was that it could be that artificial superintelligence, we would have finally designed a weapon that is too smart to let itself be fired. Mm-hmm. That is really scary stuff. Well, of course, we're going to come to many questions from Inappropriate again, from Darren, from, what's this? Kanzi K. Kanzi K from last week, Professor. Kanzi K from last week. A warm welcome to all of you, Kanzi K. And Michael, Kanzi K has a question. Uh, hi, Prof. Well, hi, Kanzi K. Okay. Please ask Dr. Michael, oh, that just sounds so good, Dr. Michael, uh, if he thinks there is a threat to humanity by AI or is the, the stuff of Hollywood. I suppose it's going to be linking up at, to your, to one of our final questions, but uh, it really goes into the realm of the super intelligence and so on. I mean, do you potentially see that the answer to her question might be yes? I think it's definitely something that could be highly disruptive to society. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. in as much as the industrial revolution was in, was disruptive, in as mm-hmm. much as the invention of a cell phone Very was good. disruptive. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it'll change who we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to Mars, I mentioned Mars, of course, one of my favorite planets in the night sky. And uh, I'm uh, very familiar with some of the robots on Mars, Spirit, Opportunity, Curiosity. And, of course, these are designed uh, with very specific tasks. For example, Curiosity will, you know, move around on Mars as a little robot does and uh, and so forth. And uh, Curiosity will then, you know, grab some soil samples and analyze them and it's signs for water and signs for life and that sort of analysis. So there's clearly a lot of progress that has been made. And uh, I'd like to ask you, uh, what is the current state of the art of robotic intelligence or machine intelligence? Well, as you've mentioned, the rovers on Mars are definitely cutting edge. Mm-hmm. Um, they autonomously collect and analyze soil samples. Mm-hmm. And that's a rather difficult task because of the fact that they do so without any human intervention. Mm-hmm. And they have to Absolutely. navigate around this Absolutely. incredibly Absolutely. tough, rocky terrain mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in such a way mm-hmm. that they 
absolutely must not damage themselves. Absolutely. Correct. If they fall over, nobody's there to write them. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. for many, many years. Absolutely. So it's, that's definitely cutting edge. Um, the soccer playing robots that we were looking at earlier also represent cutting edge research, mm-hmm. albeit at a slightly more limited budget yes. than NASA's. <laughs> Um, Google's self-driving cars have been in the news qu- quite a lot Tell lately. us about them for those who have not followed that. So the goal of a self-driving car is to develop a car that you can get in, punch in your destination into the GPS, mm. and sit back and relax. Mm. I've and seen them. It will it's drive you incredible. there safely and quickly. Mm-hmm. And there's some very interesting things that could be done with cities that entirely have self-driving cars in them. Mm-hmm. One of the more... Difficult to comprehend prospects is the possibility of getting away with removing all traffic lights. Mm. The cars would not need them. Mm. They could simply weave in mm. between each other, mm. crossing the intersection at high speed. Mm. Mm. And I think that is just, it's just, it really is taking us to the cutting edge of our thought processes with regard to technology and thought. Now, of course, once been, we've been thinking of games, games, you know, on earth, such as soccer games and so forth. And of course, then Jeopardy comes to mind, the game show Jeopardy. And, uh, it is true, of course, that, uh, you know, uh, I remember my dear friend Bruce Elmergreen, whom we've interviewed in the studio, uh, on this broadcast works in I- at IBM the T.J. Watson Research Center in New York. And uh, it is true that IBM's, uh, you know, T.J. Watson Research Center, um, they developed a robot uh, which beat a human at the game show called Jeopardy. So would you say that at the present epoch, Michael, this is the smartest AI, in other words, the smartest artificial intelligence uh, mankind has yet developed And could you lead us through actually how this all works Certainly So first to give some background to the listeners um, The format of the Jeopardy game show mm. Which is very popular in America mm. Is that the answers are already given on a board mm-hmm. And what the contestants have to come up with Through very cryptic clues that mm. involve a lot of wordplay mm. Is the questions mm-hmm. that led to those answers Okay Now it's a little bit tricky to say whether or not IBM's Watson is the smartest AI because it's very difficult to define what smartest means. Mm, um, if we sure. consider an industrial robot mm-hmm. that has the task of building a car, it could build this car to nanometer precision. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean it's smart or mm-hmm. just good at its single task? Very good, yes. And in that same way, Watson is incredibly good at its, at its single task, but its single task is a lot more general than any that have mm-hmm. come before it. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it would be... Not many people would disagree if you were to say that it's the current smartest AI. Mm-hmm. Now, Watson is a proprietary system, so they haven't publicized what exactly goes on in it. I see. But it can understand natural language. Mm-hmm. It can reason. It can formulate answers. Mm-hmm. And it can present the likeliest answer mm-hmm. together with the its own confidence in its answer. Right. And it's has within its memory banks over 200 million pages of structured and unstructured content, mm. including the entirety mm. of Wikipedia. Mm. Um, the entirety is, of Wikipedia. Every single page. Incredible. 
It uses more than 100 machine learning techniques mm. to analyze language, identify sources, find and generate hypotheses mm. for understanding the an- the, both the questions and the answers, mm. find and score evidence for those hypotheses, mm. and rank the answers, hmm. finally outputting the mm. likeliest mm. answer. Astonishing. Now, it might seem like it was a very silly thing to spend a vast sum of money on to essentially beat a human at a game show. Mm-hmm. But that was a testbed mm-hmm. for using ja- for using the Watson system in a variety of commercial applications. Mm-hmm. So, Such as? The first application that it was applied to was for making decisions in lung cancer treatment. Yes. And this was rolled out at the Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital hmm. in America, I believe. Hmm. And it collates evidence from cancer studies, journal papers medical histories across the entire United States and uses those to come up with what it thinks is the best possible treatment plan. Based on all the data it's got immediately access. Yes, Mm. and it can understand questions posed to it in natural language. So you don't need to be a programmer to interact with it. Hmm. Hmm. You can interact with it as one would do with uh, its baby cousin, Siri, Hmm. on your phone. Hmm. This is incredible. Uh, We just got so many questions coming up. And uh, I want to welcome Henko. I don't think Henko's asked us questions before. So a very hearty welcome to Henko. We've got Kenzie K. We've got Darren. We've got Inappropriate. We've got Greg Cohn. We're just buzzing away here. So there's a very interesting question from Henko. And uh, I can't see your face, Henko. Uh, because it's just got the little WeChat logo, but I hope that we see your face in due course. But uh, uh, Hinko's question really is, is you know, what happens if um, robots become so smart that uh, if we decide to switch them off, they won't allow themselves to be switched off or, as he says, to be killed in quotes. This is a scary thought. I mean, it does go into the super AI realm. But what happens if, you know, with a robot playing soccer, Michael, we can just pull out the batteries, Duncan, if we want the robot to stop. And then, you know, the robot stops playing the soccer. But what happens if these things have learned so much that they even know that, you know, if somebody tries to pull out my battery, I've just got a supply of other batteries somewhere. Uh, what happens in this futuristic world where, you know, robots, as Henko says, are designed to be smart enough to self-sustain so that if we decide to pull the plug, the plug ain't be pulled? Well, I think this is a it's a very human fear, and it's something that crops up again and again in our entertainment mm-hmm. of robots that don't want to be switched off or killed in some manner, and so we end up with something like The Matrix or Terminator right. or any number of right. such movies. Mm-hmm. But we have to ask ourselves, why would the robot not want to be switched off? Because being alive is fun. Does a robot have a concept of being alive, or is that something that comes from having a biological body? So it would it would have to be uh, the programmer that programs mm-hmm. it in a way that it mm-hmm. can't uh, doesn't think of self-sustaining. Well, <laughs> I think a robot would naturally not think of self-sustaining. Um, and in fact, Isaac Asimov's series of robot mm-hmm. novels, um, one of the laws of robotics is that the robot must protect its own existence. But that's from a purely property perspective, where the robot costs money, therefore it mustn't jump into the nearest molten vat of steel. Mm -hmm. But we've got no particular reason to 
believe that an artificial intelligence would have a sense of self-preservation, would have a sense that oh, I shouldn't be switched off mm. beyond that which we program into it. But I think, mm. Professor, this takes us back to the whole mm. argument of if it falls into the wrong hands. Yeah. Mm. So if someone were yeah. to program a, a robot mm-hmm. in such a way that it self-sustains, mm-hmm. that could be detrimental, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep, certainly. Mm-hmm. One could certainly design some sort of killer robot, mm. but I'd question why someone, someone would. I suppose, Michael, the the the, um, the scary thought here is just simply if it did land up. I mean, if one had a robot, for example, that was designed to shoot and aim, it's so much easier just putting a whole uh, army of these robots uh, by some, say, terrorist organization mm. into a specific locale, and these are absolutely expert marksmen than sending human beings there and um, we know, as you say, technology is incredible, but if it does fall into the wrong hands in any domain, it can be quite detrimental. So I suppose there is always that risk with any smart technology is that if it does fall into the wrong hands, um, it can absolutely uh, cause havoc. What, do you have any fears in that regard, given, you know, the incredible uh, terrorist uh, threats which the world has encountered in the last uh, decade. I don't have any specific fears regarding robotics or artificial intelligence yes. regarding that. Mm-hmm. Um, Why so not? I believe one could imagine some cavemen sitting around in a cave protesting against the invention of the sharp rock. Yes. Because the sharp rock could be used by Ugg over the hill. Yes. Which would yes, be detrimental that is to true. the tribe. So it's something that we've always had. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if terrorists have access to an army of robots, I'm sure the governments will have access to such an army as well. Mm-hmm. 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 Can you lead us through before the next song as to um, what are the current problems uh, in your field? Um, what are, cur- are current problems like, for example, making hu- human walking easier, making the movement of wrists and arms easier. Uh, what are uh, current problems? Just before we get there, uh, welcome to Lionel. He says, always a pleasure listening to the show. Well, Lionel, you just caused me to look up. I'm looking up because people like you are a buzz with great questions and great thoughts. Okay, uh, before we hit there, uh, uh, let us see... Uh, what robot would Dr. Michael like to design one day? Goodness, that's a difficult question. It is. Um, Do you want to give it thought? You're I'm not so to. much concerned with the with the robot that one would design. I think the, the platform in which it resides is mm-hmm. almost irrelevant when one considers the idea of designing a mind, mm-hmm. something that can think, that's something correct. that can learn. That's correct. Yes. Now that leads us to another question from Hinko. Is it possible for a robot to ever be designed smart enough to write a book? That, of course, is the thought process. Now, this, of course, is very interesting for me because we have feelings. We have emotions. If I were to ask you to write a little piece, um, say about, um, your home, you would do it with feeling, with depth, with emotion, with care. Uh, with foresight, with caution, uh, with wisdom. Um, I mean, th- this is really outside the realm of the stricter, uh, you know, machine in- intelligence or AI as I know it. Um, do you think that in time to come, 
uh, Henko's question might be a realistic one where a machine can actually sit down and write a book. I mean, if you look at a view, for example, I remember that incredible movie, uh, A Room with a View, and there's passion and there's emotion and there's interplay. And can one, I mean, as we've said, robots themselves don't have minds and feelings or emotions. Uh, could a robot ever write a book, Michael? I believe it is conceivable, and this ties into the question that you were asking me earlier about what are the current problems. In yes, AI. let's focus on that. So the one thing that has we have only scratched the surface of is the concept of creativity mm-hmm. and the concept of reasoning and intrinsic motivation. Right. So I think these are problems that can be solved, mm-hmm. but we are nowhere near close to solving them yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in other words, what you're saying is it's – Conceivable that in due course uh, robots might be able to design a book, write a book, but uh, certainly not yet. Uh, all right. Now, which robots would Doc Michael like to design one day? We've asked him about that. Henko says, hi. Okay, cool. I hear what you're saying, but uh, what happens? Let me see. Oh, the, the switching off is asked again. Yes. Well, I think we've uh, really... Uh, answered that one but it it is a a great question to think about is you know the sort of super ai which we're going to go into so just before we go into the next uh question uh are we interviewing michael mitchley uh one of south africa's superstars in the area of robotics and ai artificial intelligence and machine intelligence and he's just so knowledgeable about this most exciting new field just like the field um of global streaming is dreamt by um gareth uh, Cliff and uh, Rena Broomberg, you know, it is just a leap to the future. These are other leaps to the future. But um, lead us through your next song, because uh, I just love the music you've selected today. Lead us through its title and what feelings it invokes within you. Yes, certainly. So this song is called We Can Be Ghosts Now, mm-hmm. and it's by Hiatus featuring an artist called Chura. Mm-hmm. And this one is about the world rapidly changing. Mm-hmm. And these two people, they perhaps find love within this changing world hmm. in that they can finally just drift around aimlessly. Now, I think this then speaks to the idea of a disruptive AI, something that changes the way that our society functions entirely. Mm-hmm. And perhaps, as we discussed earlier, gives us a lot more leisure time. Yes. Let's listen to this song And you tell me what feeling it invokes within your psyche, within your neurophysiological processes. We are interviewing Michael Mitchley.
You're listening to Professor David Block. We're looking up in wonder and in awe with our guest, Dr. Michael Mitchley, uh, truly one of South Africa's real superstars in the area of robotic intelligence. Uh, Michael, uh, we'd like to obviously cast our eyes to the future. Uh, what would an artificial uh, a, a general intelligence actually act like in the future? And Duncan, you had a feed onto that as well. What was your question? Uh, there was a question that came in from Inappropriate asking Dr. Michael whether what the the, the perfect robot he'd like to design. Mm-hmm. And his answer was like, uh, it's more about designing the perfect mind. Right. Uh, something that can think. Right. So I just want to know what what kind of a mind you'd like to uh, design. Mm-hmm. Certainly. So to address the, the question first, mm-hmm. um, I think we need to then discuss what intelligence actually is. Mm-hmm. And... Professor Linda Godfredson defines intelligence as a very general mental capability that, among other things, involves the ability to reason, plan, solve problems, think abstractly, comprehend complex ideas, learn quickly, and learn from experience. Mm-hmm. Now, these, this definition of intelligence, which seems reasonable, mm. doesn't include things like a sense of humor, an appreciation of beauty, mortality, morality, emotions, motivation mm. even, mm. purpose, Mm. Or perhaps even sentience. Mm. And questions that one could ask would then, would these develop as emergent properties? Mm. Now, I'm of the opinion that they wouldn't. Mm. Because I think we tend to anthropomorphize everything. Mm -hmm. We imagine everything as being Mm human-shaped. And so when we imagine an AR mind, we imagine something that's very much like us, like a human mind trapped Mm -hmm. on a computer for some reason. Mm -hmm. Whereas the ideal mind that I would like to make would be something new, something that might be difficult to recognize at first because mm-hmm. of how foreign and different it is mm-hmm. from us. Mm-hmm. I think it would be fascinating to explore the possibilities of this machine intelligence mm-hmm. as being something vastly mm-hmm. different from a human intelligence. Just uh, by way of thought, uh, we've got myriads of listeners across the globe. And uh, what suppose they're in South Africa, for example, and they wanted to come to the University of Advertisement. Can Would they enroll for a BSc in Applied Maths? What sort of, uh, I mean, you know, there, there are multitudes of questions coming up. If people want to follow this, would you recommend doing a BSc first and then an honors, say, in Applied Maths, and then moving along that line with computer science, perhaps as a second major? What are your, I mean, it's a, as a career for those who want to design uh, machines in the future with intelligence. What, what, where should they go and what should they do? Well, I think artificial intelligence is a great unifier. Mm-hmm. So one path to it would be through, as you say, a double major in computer science and, and applied, applied mathematics, mathematics yes. through yes. the BSc. Yes. But it involves so many different things from so many different fields that yes. it would be Difficult to find a degree that would not, in some way, relate to apart mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. So, in, it's really pretty trivial, in a sense, to enter a university and then uh, really home in on that which interests you the most. I'm very interested in the theme, of course, of superintelligence, Michael. Um, where it's not intelligence, but where it's actually uh, echelons beyond that. Uh, a world of um, artificial, yes, but uh, robots that could be perhaps more intelligent than human beings. And, you know, that obviously poses threats, I would think, or maybe does, for humanity 
Um, will such machines actually be invented? Machines that are cleverer than you or me, uh, who are not just intelligent, but who are super intelligent. I believe so, yes. You believe so? Well, and in fact, Duncan, like we in for a surprise here, sir. Somebody's going to take our jobs. <laughs> we better hold on to our jobs. Elaborate, please, Michael. Certainly. So, the current scientific consensus is that it's only a matter of time before we invent an artificial general intelligence, uh, intelligence that is as intelligent as a human being. Mm -hmm. Now, once it does that, it can design, because it has the intelligence of a human being, and we managed to design an artificial intelligence, mm. it will itself be able to design a better artificial intelligence. Just by self-learning, yes. Or perhaps even improving itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, through exponential increases, this means that very rapidly we will mm. have an artificial super intelligence, mm. something that will completely outstrip our concept of what intelligence is. Mm. And the way to think about this would be to think about chimpanzees. Yes. They are our closest relatives mm -hmm. in the animal kingdom. Mm -hmm. And they're fairly smart animals. But a chimpanzee cannot comprehend that a human built a skyscraper. Right. Understands humans, it understands right. skyscrapers, right. but the link between the two right. is yes, completely beyond the capabilities yes. of a chimpanzee. Mm -hmm. Now that is our closest relative. Mm -hmm. If we imagine an artificial superintelligence, it won't be to us as we are to chimpanzees, it will be to us as we are to ants. Hmm. So the capabilities of an artificial superintelligence are beyond our imagination. Mm -hmm. We have Absolutely no idea of what it will be capable mm -hmm. of. Mm -hmm. But of course, as time is running out, uh, aren't we, you know, question comes up, aren't we meddling with powers beyond our control? Um, you know, you know, like I remember that grand novel, Brave New World. Aren't we actually meddling with powers that eventually could go beyond our human control? I mean, that, that again is quite scary in a sense. It is. It is, in a sense, currently beyond our control and beyond our understanding. Mm -hmm. But the goal of science is to move things to within our control and within our understanding. Mm -hmm. And Good. science is about experimentation. The more mm -hmm. we meddle, the more we know. Mm -hmm. And if we consider something like genetics as it's applied to virology, mm -hmm. there they are dealing with extraordinarily dangerous things. Mm -hmm. And True. one could imagine all sorts of nightmare scenarios where some type of super virus is unleashed upon the world. Mm -hmm. But it isn't. And has mm -hmm. never happened in the past mm. because it's always been done under control. Mm. Mm. So I believe if we take precautions, if we are cautious and slow in our investigation of these things, there will mm -hmm. be nothing to worry about. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to listen to one final song as we play out. It's been an awesome joy and pleasure and privilege to have uh, Michael Mitchley from the School of Compu Com Computer Science and Applied Maths. Uh, join us today. Uh, feel free to contact him. How do they contact you, Michael? Is it via Skype? Not Skype. Is it via Twitter? Are you on Twitter? Are you on Facebook? I think the easiest way would probably be via email. Okay, and via email. My email address is michael.mitchley at vits.ac.za. Okay, so that's michael.mitchley at vits.ac.za. And if you are a rising young superstar like Michael Mitchley is, then why not have him as your mentor? I still love the fact that I can give my wife a little hug and a little pinch at night. Whether I would like a robot to do so, 
I'm not too sure. I still like, perhaps I'm old-fashioned, but I still like the feeling of the human touch. Michael, thank you so much for joining us yet again in Cliff Central. And we'll be playing out now with your final song until next week. Always look up. David Block signing out. Cliffcentral.com.